Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Impolite Company. I'm your host, Scott Wingeter. This show uh, has been going on for about a year now, and so I wanted to start right off the bat and thank everybody for uh, all the subscribers, all the people that have left comments and liked it over the year, uh, the past year, and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, this show was started with the idea that uh, we are going to talk about things that matter. Uh, it a phrase that I've been told my entire life is that there are two things that you don't talk about uh, in polite company, and that's politics and religion. Um, and so I started a show called Impolite Company because that's exactly those things that we're going to discuss. We're going to talk about uncomfortable topics sometimes. We're going to talk about things that you're not supposed to talk about in polite company. And uh, if you find that offensive, well, then too bad because that's so these are the things that matter, right? Um, I want to talk to you guys about uh, Gen Z right off the bat. So these are, you know, kids that are basically teenagers right now uh, on down to about, I don't know, 10 years old. Uh, I've been a teacher for the last 10 years, so I've been teaching these kids. I, I started teaching. I was teaching the tail end of millennials, and now we're into uh, Gen Z, and I have a lot of experience teaching uh, these kids. I have kids uh, myself uh, with my wife that are this age, and they're they're a difficult generation in a lot of ways to deal with. And uh, I want to talk about that right off right off the bat. And I may say stuff that may sound offensive, uh, but uh, to, you know. I guess steal Ben Shapiro's uh, go-to phrase, facts don't care about your feelings, right? Um, these are facts. These are just observations that I've collected over the last 10 years about this generation in in general. You know, I'm Bob Ross here. I'm painting with a two-inch brush. Um, so this may not, if you're a Gen Zer, this may not apply to you in particular, and that's fine, and that's actually good. But this is just some observations in general about Gen Z. Gen Z, I think they're weak. They're just weak people. They are not accustomed to being able to deal with anything that is uncomfortable or brings them discomfort at all. This is a problem, an endemic problem with this generation. Um, my God, could you imagine if we were in the throes of World War II right now and we had to rely on Gen Zers to storm the beaches of Normandy? I mean, we'd be screwed. Could you imagine a Gen Zer hiding behind the iron beams on the, on the beaches of Normandy that's put there to stop the ships from coming in as bullets and machine guns are flying around. They're like, oh, I really need a safe space right now. That would be, you know, if we had to film that scene from Saving Private Ryan and, you know, put Gen Zers in there, that, that would be how they would act in that situation in a general sense. They have, they, they can't tolerate being in an uncomfortable position whatsoever they need their stuff right now whatever's going to bring them satisfaction whatever's going to bring them comfort they need it right now and they're constantly looking for it and frankly that's why they're so miserable is because they are not equipped to deal with discomfort whatsoever 
They've been coddled their entire lives. And it's my generation's fault. You know, the, uh, I'm, I'm the tail end of Gen X or, you know, the very first generation of the millennial millennials, if you will. It's, it's our fault. You know, we, we coddled these kids. We, as they were growing up, we taught them, Hey, you know, everybody gets a trophy, you know, here's your participation trophy. Uh, we, we didn't establish any form of coherent honor code for these people for these kids when they were growing up and so it's not a surprise that they have no honor code whatsoever right now they have no basis in reality uh as a general sense this is why we have all these kids that are growing up saying well you know i was born a boy but i think i'm a girl or i was born a girl and i think i'm a boy or i don't identify as you know I, I, uh, as binary, well, you know, yeah, you do. I mean, you can have your opinion, but you're wrong. All right. Every single creature on planet earth, every single animal is one of two sexes kid. Uh, so you're either a male or female and that's it. But they, they refuse to accept that. That's what I say. When, that's what I mean when I say that they're not really based in reality whatsoever. And so therefore they've, they've grown up and because they're expecting we've we've placed these expectations on these kids these gen zers that you know well everything's going to be perfect for you my little sweet precious child and you know i'm going to make sure that you're never uncomfortable and that everything is perfect and then when we're incapable of delivering a, a perfect world to them and that's their expectation well then they become depressed. And so this is a fact. Gen Z is the most depressed demographic in our country right now. That is undeniable. A recent CDC report said that it, it found that almost 60%, 57%, almost 60% of female students in this age group that we're talking about experience persistent feelings of hopelessness or sadness. During the past year, and nearly 25% of that 57%, uh, they made a suicide plan. Overall, 42%, that's male and female, fits into this description. 22% have seriously contemplated suicide, and 10% have attempted it. They have major mental health issues because. Number one, they can't deal with, as I stated, they can't deal with being uncomfortable and they can't deal with the fact that the world is not a perfect place and that I'm going to, again, put the blame on us, their parents. This trend has just done nothing but increase over the past 10 years. So the study that I just referenced there uh, is from 2011 to 2021 um, and, and um it has actually increased dramatically in the wake of our uh, COVID tyranny that everybody went through. So, again, they're the most depressed people. And um, how do we fix that? That's the question, right? How do, you, how do you now undo some of the damage? Well, you know, you look at it. You, you take a, a hard look at the reality that these people are facing, right? Like I said, they're depressed. Um, they, Gen Z is, 
throughout American history, they are the most godless generation uh, in American history. And what I mean by that is the, 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 they don't believe in God in a general sense. Again, I'm painting with a two-inch brush here, right? But they, they, are, they don't have any particular religious beliefs. Uh, and so I question, where does your morality come from? Your sense of morality, your moral compass? If that's not based in some form of, of religious theology or philosophy, wh- I mean, where, where do you get your moral belief system? Uh, you know, that's a huge element in your, that comprises you, a person's worldview. So where, where do they get that? Well, they, they don't have one. Because, you know, maybe that would be uncomfortable for them to think about. And we all know that that Gen Z in general will go to great lengths to avoid discomfort. But I'm happy to report that all of this may have changed on February 8th. Uh, I'm sure you've heard by now at Asbury University, which is a small university, Uh, town outside of Lexington, Kentucky, at a typical mandatory uh, chapel for the student body there. Uh, Every week they have three such services that are mandatory for the student population at this university to attend. Um, Something atypical happened. Uh, There was a young man, a a soccer coach, I believe, that that stood up and he, he started giving a sermon uh, it was an impromptu sermon. It was off the cuff, and uh, he started talking about agape love. And so, um, I I love the the Greek language, and uh, you permit me to nerd out here for a minute. Uh, in English is a trash language. It's, it's uh, for lack of a better word, it's vulgar in my opinion. Um, and the reason for that is, can be very easily explained with our word love. All right, so. I love my wife. I love my country. I love the state of Texas. I love broccoli. Do all of those emotions, we use just the same word to describe it? Is that an accurate way of describing what I mean when I say I love this, I love that? Now, Greek is, of course, what the Bible was written, the, the New Testament um, was written in Koine Greek, common Greek, and, uh, and there's four words for love. Uh, there's philios, that's the kind of love that you would have for a brother. So like I have uh, my best friend Nick, all right, I philios him, I love him as if he were a brother. In fact, my kids call him Uncle Nick, even though he's not blood related, but he's my brother. Um, that's, that's my love that I have for him. I have eros for my wife. All right. That is a romantic or sexual relationship that I have. And I only have that with my wife. I don't eros my friend. I eros my wife. And then I have storge. Storge is the kind of love that I have for my father and the kind of love that I have for my children and that my children have for me. And, um, and then finally we have agape, the fourth love, um, and so all of the other three, philios and storge and eros, those are all conditional, right? So you have to be my friend. You have to be my wife. You have to be my kids or my parents for me to experience that particular love in that way towards those, those people. Um, 
But agape is unconditional love. And that is the kind of love that God has for us. Um, and so, you know, when it, it says, uh, you know, that God loves you uh, in the Bible, let's say, uh, the Greek word for that would be agape as an example. Uh, so this young man gets up and he gives an impromptu sermon about agape love, this unconditional love. And then he publicly starts to repent. Um, he shares his flaws he confesses his sins publicly to all of these people that are in, at this chapel service. And he invites others up onto the stage to come up and do the same. Um, and this, this turns this chapel service, this typical chapel service, into a revival. Um, for the, those of you who may be unfamiliar with this, with this word and this description, a revival is the spirit of God moving through a crowd and um, convicting people. And that's where you see a lot of people converting uh, and confessing their sins and giving their heart to, to Christ. Um, and so this revival starts to pop up in this chapel service. And, you know, what was only supposed to be probably like an hour-long chapel service on a typical day at Asbury University has turned into a, a two-week revival where this chapel service still, is, it's ongoing as I'm recording this right now. Uh, it started on February 8th. It's February 21st as uh, when I'm recording this. It's still going on at this moment. You can go to YouTube and check it out. The, they have a live stream of the chapel. Um, it's been going on for two weeks. And my, my point here of bringing all this up is that this is exactly what Gen Z needs, right? You need to have some foundation on which you build your worldview, all right? It's why when we look at the woke society, when we look at all of these crazy people on the left that are trying to ram down our throats, this woke ideology, it's untenable. I mean, even if I wanted to embrace wokeism and I'm, I'm going to go woke, all right, and I'm going to do everything that they say that I have to do in order to be woke. Well, what is that? The goalposts are constantly shifting in that side of the aisle. There is no solid ideology that I can sit here and unpack for you and explain. It's constantly shifting. And that's because they aren't moored to any tangible reality. And so if, every, if truth is subjective and words have no meaning and words have no value, then we can't actually have a conversation about anything at all. If everything that's coming out of my mouth right now is subjective, then why are you listening to me? Because you have no idea what I could possibly be saying. The point is truth is not subjective. Truth is objective. And that is what you have to base your philosophy of life upon and your worldview. And so, again, I ask this Gen Z generation here, what is your worldview based upon? What is the solid foundational truths that you're basing your ideology and your outlook on the world on? That's important. That's an important question. 
And if it's not based upon truth, then it's going to crumble. Uh, you will find that out. I mean, you can try all day long to base it on subjectivism, but that shifts underneath your feet and it will crumble. Uh, in order to build a foundation, uh, a foundation for your worldview to set on, you need to base it on something that's solid and unshakable. And so that's why I'm excited about this revival happening here. I, I'm, I'm guessing that the majority of the student body population at Asbury University is filled with these Gen Zers that are, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, going to college, getting their undergraduate degree in something. Um, and they're embracing this and they're converting in a real sense to Christianity. And not just them, people all over the world over the last two weeks have been flooding to this small town in Kentucky to go and have this experience at this revival here at this college. Um, and I'm just excited to see it. And the reason for that is because uh, I know my history. Every time America has had uh, a, a, a nationwide religious revival, uh, we've always embraced the next generation after that religious revival has embraced uh, what Lincoln called a new birth of freedom. All right? So... In the first Great Awakening, um, where in the 1730s in America, you had itinerant uh, preachers traveling up and down the 13 colonies, giving sermons. Huge crowds would you know, flock to these fields sometimes. It was just out in the middle of a farmer's field somewhere. Uh, and you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people gave their life to Christ and embraced uh, the, this great awakening, it was called. And that was the first great awakening. And then a generation after that, you see the founding generation, and it leads to the American Revolution and a new birth of freedom. And then a century after the first great awakening, you have the second great awakening in the 1830s. And again, you have itinerant preachers traveling all over the place, setting up huge tents uh, where people can come in and listen to these, you know, fire and brimstone convicting sermons and people are giving their life over to Christ and they're embracing the teachings of Christianity. And it's, that's what's, uh, you know, pointing their moral compass north. And then what do we get a, a, a generation later? In the 1860s, we have the Civil War, and we have the abolition of slavery. And, and Lincoln literally quotes it at the, the, the Gettysburg Address, that, that this is going to lead to a new birth of freedom for millions of Americans. He's talking about the, the freedmen, uh, the former slaves. Um, and so when I look at our, our society, you know, I, I'm sure the people that have watched this show um, over the last year, know f flat out that I'm worried about our country. I'm worried about the state of our nation. Um, I'm going to say it outright that I believe that we are in desperate need of a third 
great awakening and while this may not be it's a revival i would i would hesitate to say what's going on at asbury university is quote a great awakening yet it needs to go i think nationwide for it to get that moniker but uh i'm hopeful that maybe this is the beginnings of something that can dramatically shift not just gen z but all americans and bring us closer to our founding principles and paying attention to the natural rights and natural law that was the foundation based upon truth that this country was founded on. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Impolite Company, presented by The Doc Line. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate our podcast and leave a five-star review for us.